In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So today's Gospel is the reading from the sixth Sunday of Great Lent, uh, and it tells the story of the healing of the man born blind. The story starts off um, with the disciples asking a question regarding the justice of God. They approached him with the title of Rabbi and Master, so they did have the desire uh, to actually learn from him as they approached him, and then they asked, Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? The question is kind of confusing for a number of reasons. Firstly, how can one of the options even be possible that one who is born blind, uh, that it is because of his own sins that caused that, since he was born that way? So at first glance, that kind of seems unjust, right, when you look at God's justice. The second point is that um, how can the sins of his parents be attributed to him? With what we know about our Lord and how he's dealt with humanity throughout history, how he puts sins far from us and how he forgives us, how is it possible that God who forgives all of our sins and our iniquities not doesn't count the parents but now re retributes the children of the parents? That too seems really unjust um, with the question. So they were asking about this. And if anyone wants to know more about that, they can read Ezekiel chapter 18 about how God does not revisit the the sins of the parents towards the children. The third point is that the question only had two options. It's, it was either the sins of the parents or the sins of the, the blind man that caused his suffering. So, and, and it was really the, the, the sin itself that was the cause of the suffering. It reminds us of the story of Job where um, Satan and, and God kind of entered into a dialogue in the first two chapters of that long book. And Satan um, asked God, saying, you know, he doesn't really love you for yourself. If you take away all of his possessions, his health, and his family, he'll surely curse you to your face. So God, therefore, allowed Satan to take away his family, take away his possessions, take away his own health, and he suffered greatly, as we know. And those were the first two chapters. Now, the whole book has a chapter, you know, 42 chapters in it. It's a rather long book. But the next 36 chapters... Um, is completely regarding what the disciples asked uh, Christ. His foolish friends came to him and they were provoking him, saying that it is because of your sin that all of these things have transpired. It's because of your sins, Job, that because of that is because that's the reason why you lost your family, you lost your health, you lost all of your possessions, you were wealthy and now you've now gone to the ashes. But God revisits um, at the end of uh, those 36 chapters, at the end of the book, God revisits Job and rebukes those three friends and again says that they have not spoken rightly. So consistency between the Old and New Testament here is again evident. So we too, when, we're, when we see somebody going through sufferings, we should remember that it's not necessarily because of the sin that is because, the, you know, that, that's why they're going through such a thing. But we should have a certain level of humility and love and prayer and let love and guidance, uh, let, let love guide us in, in how we approach that. And we, um, when we're faced with personal tribulations, uh, we don't know what to pray for. Um, we know that, for example, the saints and the spiritual people of the Old and New Testaments, all of them suffered. There wasn't one exception. If you try to draw your mind to the saints and, your, and the stories that you know, both biblical and throughout church history, um, what saint did not suffer? Uh, all of them did, and it's not because of their sins. In fact, we know that uh, Christ promised us that we would have tribulations, but that we should be of good cheer because he has overcome the world. So our prayers are powerful when we're faced with these kind of 
tribulations, we should be careful with what we pray for. Because, because our prayers are so powerful that we know that God hears them, whether He grants us exactly what we're looking for in the way we're looking for, that's one thing or not, but definitely He hears our prayers and He will act on the prayers. Um, we pray with the desire that's common to all mankind when we suffer something. We, we pray for that suffering to go away from us. But we should always be careful with what we ask for because our prayers are heard. Uh, it may not be what is best for us. Sometimes God has requested, uh, granted the requests of those who have asked, even though it wasn't best for them. So, for example, the Israelites, when they asked for a king, um, God said, why do you want a king? Aren't I your king? Aren't I the one who guides you and, and speaks to you directly? Why would you want a king? He's going to tax you. He's going to send you to war. Isn't it better that I be your king? And the Israelites insisted, requesting that you know God grant them a king like the other nations. God granted it, but anyone who knows the history of the Israelites in the Old Testament, of their over 400 years of kingship, um, there were only one or two, three maybe, kings that had brought them good fortune. The rest brought them into extreme danger. So none of the kings brought them you know, livelihood and, and prosperity. Uh, very few of them, except for David and partly Solomon and one more after them. Um, but yet to St. Paul, for example, who cured people who raised the dead and who was caught up to the third heaven yet when he had a wound on his side he asked God to remove that wound and God refused it for his own benefit and he, in, in fact he responded my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness and St. Paul responds therefore most gladly I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me so St. Augustine likens this to a learned ignorance. Kind of seems like an oxymoron, but a learned ignorance that we should, when we're approached with and faced with such suffering or some sort of tribulation or challenge, that we should always pray that it should be removed, but end it with, you know, um, that it, if it be according to your will, O Lord. Because there is a certain level of ignorance that we have in God's will. Because we know that God's will is sometimes beyond our own understanding, whether it's beyond humanity's understanding generally or beyond our understanding based on our spiritual level. Um, in Romans, uh, that's why in Romans 8.26, St. Paul says, For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession with groanings which cannot be uttered. So during suffering, God's grace is present. Uh, we always know that when we're suffering, it actually welcomes God's grace, and we know that God rests upon us, and His saints surround us, His angels surround us, and so sometimes removing that that suffering right away is not the best thing for us, but it sometimes is the best thing that we remain for a while in it and 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 be purified through it. Saint John Chrysostom, when strengthening uh, one of his friends, has a really nice quote. His name, his friend's name was Olympias. He says. Therefore, my friend Olympias, wait for a final outcome. For all things will certainly turn out, whether in this life or the life to come, in every circumstance, yield to God's providence, which is beyond understanding. Also, I remember St. Athanasius's uh, word when he was suffering so many years, uh, being exiled five times throughout his papacy. And on one of the exiles, one of the people said, you know, Holy Father, we're sorry that this is going through just another tribulation. And he said... Uh, be of good heart, it is only a cloud that will soon pass over. Be of good heart, this is only a cloud that will soon pass over. 
So to come back to the Holy Disciples' question, there should have been more options than just sin, because sometimes sin is not the reasons for our tribulations. Sometimes our tribulations yield great benefit for us, and God allows it. Uh, as in the case of Job, that God already knew what was in the heart of Job, but yet allowed it to happen to God's glory, and also to reveal the invisible world of his heart, which tribulations sometimes do. Um, so we know that Job, um, his heart was revealed, that he was just to himself, to those around him, to Satan himself, because God wants us to have victory in the face of our enemy. And most importantly, to the generations that followed, including ourselves, we still benefit from this story. I know a story once that one time during a liturgy, um, there was an earthquake that happened. And it was one of those churches that had the big chandeliers and everything. And so the deacons were chanting. Uh, so deacons, watch that for this one. The deacons were chanting, and the earthquake happened. And so the priest looked outside during the earthquake, and half of the deacons you know, were looking to duck and cover under something. The other, the other half of the deacons kept hemming like normal. So he said through this little trial, he was able to see which deacons, you know, were of a, a higher spiritual state than the others. That's what trials do. It kind of reveals, most importantly to us more than others, it reveals what's inside of us. So take it as a, a learning experience when we're faced with these challenges to see if we're faced with it uh, with courage and, and endurance. So Christ gently rebukes, um, more gently than he rebuked Job's friends, he gently rebukes the disciples saying, this, neither this man nor his parents sin, but that the works of God should be, should be revealed in him. So only God is the creator. So when Christ uh, creates the eyes for this man born blind, we know that Christ is also the creator of the universe. This was a small reflection of his creative ability. Um, so he continues and says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am, of, I am the light of the world. And this verse, I hope we can commit to memory. So I'll read it again. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Of course, this verse can speak to his uh, second person of the Trinity, that he was eternally begotten of the Father. But there's also a spiritual meaning in this as well. He says, so long as I am in the world, it is called day. But if I am not in the world, it's night. So wh what does that exactly mean? When is it night and when it is day? When is it day? Um, was was it was he speaking to the fact that after he's crucified, or maybe after his ascension, that it would be night, and that it's only day while he's there, so he must do the works of him who sent him? But, you know, if that's the case, then how did the apostles perform so many great miracles and convert the whole world through their preaching? Uh, didn't he say to us also that greater works that we would do, um, but without him we can do nothing? And he said, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. So we know that Christ, if Christ was not present, then how did the church uh, go through the martyrdoms of the early centuries and, and find strength during that time? How did the fathers and mothers of our Christian history, how did they uh, raise the dead, walk on water, like we read about St. Mary of Egypt today? How did they move mountains, thrive, uh, thrive in the deserts, battle, and be victorious against heresies? leave the treasures of writings for us till today, appear after their deaths, and, any, and many other such wonders that we've seen if Christ is not present. So our, our ever-victorious uh, Lord is indeed present, and therefore we are living in the day as we speak. And this day shall last to the end of the ages.
So he says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So when he is not present, his works are not done anymore. And we also don't do work. So when is it that Christ, when is it not day anymore? When is it night? The answer is that so long as we are alive, it is day. Because Christ is with us. It is a time for us to work. It is a time, because there is a time coming when it will be night, when we will not be able to work anymore. So now is the time. Now is the day that we live in, and we work with Christ, and the Holy Spirit constantly um, you know, pricks our heart to work with Him, and sometimes we respond, sometimes we don't. But in faith, we always have to respond to Him while it is yet day. Um, so since Christ is in us, right, and since He calls us the light of the world, like He calls Himself the light of the world here, He also calls us the light of the world, because it is His light that shines in us. And since that we can do nothing without Him, this verse that He says, we can zealously take it as if we're saying it ourselves. I must work the works of Him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am the light of the world, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. If we take this verse and we say it as if Christ is saying it through us, because He calls us the light of the world, and we say it for ourselves, I'll say it once more, I must work the works of Him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world because it's Christ's light that's shining through us. Can we all say it together or is that kind of corny? Let's say it together. Children first. I must work the works of him who sent me. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And glory be to God. We want to thank you so much for listening to St. Basil's podcast. We hope that you have gained spiritually from our remarkable speakers, and we appreciate your support towards this podcast. St. Basil American Coptic Orthodox Church is looking to purchase a home, and we would love for you to be a part of our community. We are looking to raise funds towards this novel mission, Orthodoxy in an American Context within the San Diego area. You may donate online through our website, www.stbasil.net that's www.stbasil.net or click on the link below and it will take you to our donations page you may also mail in your contribution at the address located on our website we thank you for any contribution and may our lord jesus christ always bless your heart and home